Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. We want to become more like Jesus Christ. What about becoming more like Jesus in the workplace? You know, as I was uh, driving here for the Saturday service last night, I uh, was thankful for all of the jobs that snow provides. Ever thought of that? Snow plows, snow plow operators, provides jobs. Now they weren't out, but. <laughs> Ski hill operators. Um, uh, shovel manufacturers, right? And then on the way home, I noticed that the snow was providing some jobs for auto body collision shops. <laughs> you know, snow provides jobs. Now, last weekend, Pastor Jonathan encouraged us to see those two boards that were, uh, had little notes put on by our church family regarding New Year's Eve. And on one board, it's saying, God, this is what I'm thankful for in 2019. Uh, here's what I'm praying you'll do in 2020. And uh, a lot of them, when I went and read them, a lot of them had to do with work. Here's just three of them. Here's someone praying that they would find a job once I finished college. You know, that transition, it's a tough time to just get that first work experience and what you've been uh, educated in. And then someone is praising the Lord I'm, for answering my prayers and providing me a job that I love. Isn't that great to have a job that you love. Here's someone else just thanking God for getting me through a difficult work environment, helping me get through it. Isn't that great? And so here's the question about your job in 2020, your job uh, going forward, your work. The question is not, will a robot replace me? The question is this, what does Jesus look like where I work? All right, can you say that aloud together with me? Because this is where we're going today. So let's just fasten that question into our hearts as we endeavor to answer it uh, honestly and personally today. Say it aloud together with me. What does Jesus look like where I work? And I was thinking about where you work. You work at so many different places. You know, who knows where people that are with us online work? You know, whether it's full-time, part-time, whether you're just being educated for where you're going to work, whether we're talking about volunteer work, uh, looking for work. I mean, it's just so many different ways. So I, I just wrote a little something. It's not finished yet, but do you want to hear it as is? You're going to hear it anyway, so you may as well say yes. <laughs> are you an employer, employee, self-employed, retired, or are you studying at this stage and time? Do you work in a classroom or a kitchen, home office or car, or do you travel the world to make your dime? See, it rhymes. <laughs> do you design it or build it, write it, cook it or sell it, or is it the corporate ladder you climb? 
Whether your work is dreaded or your job is sublime or your job is not even included in this silly rhyme, the question I have for you, it's still fine. What does Jesus look like wherever you work in your lifetime? All right, so what does Jesus look like where I work? Listen, when you think of Jesus and work, almost all that's in the Gospels is written about Jesus' public ministry, right? And so if I talk about Jesus' public ministry, you know, uh, I'm going to lose people. You're just going to say, well, I can't relate to that. I'm not in this kind of a public ministry kind of a church work. It's, It's always interesting when you interview people who think, if only I could get a job working at the church, everything would be so easy. It'd be so, it'd be my dream job. I could work at a church. There'd never be any conflict, never be any challenges. You know, I could come in late and leave early. I could miss all the deadlines. And Pastor Jonathan, he'd just still have to forgive me. Oh, if only I could work at a church. It'd be so easy. So we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Jesus' work before he began church work. All right? Let's focus on that. What does Jesus look like? where I work. Now, so many of you have been using your Jesus Project books. It's, it's on page 36. You'll see Luke 4, 22. Jesus is visiting his hometown for the first time since he stopped the secular job in Nazareth and began going into public ministry. All right? And here's what it says in Luke. All spoke well of Jesus and marveled at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this the son of Joseph, they asked? Now, Pastor Jonathan had two verses to work with last week when he talked about Jesus, zero to 30. I've got this one. But watch this. And it's a good uh, practice when you're trying to find out more about the scripture to say, okay, that's what Luke said. What does Matthew and Mark say about this very same occasion? When Remember when Jesus went to the synagogue and, and said, this prophet Isaiah, the spirit of God is upon me. It's being fulfilled in your midst right now. Remember that time? Here's what Matthew says. The same time, people were asking this question as well. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Who's the carpenter that's being referred to here? His his earthly dad's name is Joseph. Now, you you remember Pastor Jonathan helped us understand last week that in a Jewish home, age of 12, you know, sort of a bar mitzvah kind of a thing, and then you start your apprenticeship in the trade of your dad, the trade of your father. And so carpenter's son. So it's interesting that when we come to Mark, some were saying, isn't, referring to Jesus, isn't this the carpenter? You know, we know about Jesus, the promised Messiah, Jesus, our, our Savior, Jesus, our coming King, Jesus, the healer, a miracle worker. What about Jesus, the carpenter? Well, a secular job? Yeah. We can relate to that. As a matter of fact, um, Jesus spent more time at a secular job than he did in public ministry. We'll break down the years for you in just a few moments. He, he, he spent only three years in public ministry. Compare that to between the ages of 12 to 18, where he worked as a carpenter. So, you know, Jesus had to work on the, the work family, work leisure, and then how does God and public ministry, church work fit into it all? 
Jesus had to navigate all of that. Matter of fact, one of the other little comments on the board out there for, from New Year's, someone was praying for wisdom to balance work and personal life to live a healthier 2020. How many can say amen to that? You know, just to find that balance in this busy work life in Toronto, in this area. And yet, so many times when we go to do that, this is, this is how we break it down. This is how we, we go about it. I've got a little extra work here. All right. We say, okay, God, in 2020, you're going to be first in my life. And so I'm going to take a new step, move forward in my communication times with you. I, I'm going to grow in my, my prayer life. And uh, I'm so excited that my church family is going to spend the whole year with Jesus in the gospel of Luke. What an opportunity for me to grow to be more and more like Jesus because of our time in the Bible. And, and, and Lord, I, I have certain things I'm going to do for you, serving at church, community groups or whatever. And so, so I, I have that there. And, and basically what we say is, okay, God, I put you first. You're in that quadrant of my life. And I, I've taken care of the spiritual compartment in my life. And then we move on to family and friends. And we say, okay, I want to be a better parent. I want to be uh, a better spouse in the marriage. I'm, I'm single, so I want to grow in my friendships. This year, I, I want that to happen. Or, or we say, in the leisure, you know, oh, we talk about the work leisure balance. I, want, I need more downtime, and I need to learn to do it well. Uh, diet, exercise, uh, hobbies, things like that. And we, so we get objectives for that area of our life. And then we say, okay, and in the, the work and my studies, I want to do well there too. I want to have objectives. But basically what we're doing is we're saying, here I am, uh, me is here, and God, I got you covered. Uh, I want to cover my family and friends. I want to do leisure better. I want to do work and studies. And, and, and when I go over there into that part of my life, I want to do it there, there. I look at that, and I say, there's a balanced 2020. There's a balanced life. But really, when you think about it, it's not a balanced life. Listen to me. It's a compartmentalized life. So like, God, you're, you're there, and the rest of life, you can comment on it. I'll go to you when I get into trouble, but, but I'll, I'll live the rest of that life on my own. Thank you very much. You know, my, I grew up in a family with five kids. Can you imagine what it was like when mom made a pie for dessert? And we're all growing and kids, and we all want the sugar fix, you know, and, and mom makes a pie for... It, it was a tense moment when it came to whoever was going to cut the pie into pieces, right? Because, boy, they better get it right. They better give each one equal, balanced piece of the pie. And that's the way some people approach their, their planning of their future. God, you get your piece of the pie... And all take care of the rest. When it comes to work, God, thank you for the job, but I'll just go and, and, and do that part of my life, and I know you're not too interested in it, so I'll, I'll just do that part by myself. And we sort of compartmentalize our lives. By the way, are you a thank God it's Friday person? 
You get some people, whether you work weekends regularly, you know what I mean by that, the thank God the work is over, you know. And then, uh, then there are some people that are, that are thank God, T-G-I-M. Thank God it's Monday. <laughs> because work is where they find their fulfillment, their purpose, and their affirmation. And of course, those people, what happens when they have a health loss or job loss or they end up retiring if they found their identity in their job when they have no job, who are they now? So I hope that whether you're a TGIF or TGIM Christian, that you realize from Jesus' teaching today, from his work life, that you realize that you can go to work on a mission with a deeper, more fulfilling meaning than any work could ever give you. That's where we're going today. You see, let me give you four words that Jesus' life helps us with. Four words. First one is carpenter. Carpenter. 18 of the 33 years of Jesus' life, he worked as a carpenter. Now, do you, did you hear that? Let, let this register. That means he spent six times more years at a secular job than he did at public ministry. That's shocking. Second word, Nazareth. He lived in a small village, Estimated population at the time of Jesus, two to three hundred. Remember Philip tells Nathaniel he's found the Messiah? And, uh, and, and uh, Philip said, oh, yeah, where's he from? And, and he says, Nazareth. He says, Nazareth? Can anything good come out of that hick town? You know, I mean, no one knew anything about Nazareth, just a small population. And so when you think about it, and, and a lot of people pondered about this over the years, if, if Jesus and his dad were both full-time carpenters in a population of two or 300, I mean, do you see a lot of wood here? This is a recreation of Nazareth in the time of Jesus. This is what it looks like over there now. But, but this, this part of it here, you see a lot of stone, but not a lot of wood. I mean, you can only make so many tables and chairs for a population base of, of two to 300. There's no Ikea to be a supplier for. Do you know what I'm saying? Third word, tecton. All the words you have in your Bible, whatever language you read it in, it comes from the language of Greek. They spoke Greek, Aramaic Greek, in the time of Jesus. And the word tecton is the one that we have translated as carpenter. But when you look at the word tecton, as it was in the workplace of that time, it described more jobs than the specialization of carpentry. It, it, it described jobs as working with stone, stonemason. Basically, a better translation may be the English word builder. A tecton was a builder. Fourth word, sephoris. You know, since first visiting the land of the Bible, where all we read in the Bible took place, right in Israel there, over 40 years ago, I, one of the most exciting archaeological uh, excavations have uncovered in the Galilee area, the most exciting one I know of in the Galilee area, is the uncovering of Sephoris. Now, Sephoris, we don't hear anything about it. But when Herod... The builder had a son, Herod Antipas, who went and moved into the Galilee area. He became the, the governance leader of that whole region in Galilee. He 
uh, started an amazing building program. Listen to me, it was right at the time of Jesus. That's why you can read about Herod Intipas even in the Gospels uh, today. And he started a major building program. There was lots of stone workers and carpenters, a lot of people. They built synagogue and, and houses. And so, in other words, when you read the Jobs Wanted classified section in the Galilean Globe and Mail, you saw tectons wanted all over the place. You say, why is that so exciting? I've never heard of Sephoris. How many have ever heard of Sephoris? It's not even mentioned in the Bible. Sephoris is a, it's sort of like Pickering. Until last Sunday morning, a lot of people who lived in Ontario had never heard of Pickering until they got their Amber Alert. <laughs> Did you know that Monday, even the New York Times in the States, major national newspaper there, told the story of Pickering and the nuclear thing and all of that? You know, up until now, you people from Pickering, uh, you know, when you travel to Europe or Asia or Africa and someone says, where are you from? You don't say Pickering. You, up until now, you've had to say Toronto. Now you can say Pickering. Well, until Jesus came from Nazareth, it was a lot like Pickering. But everyone knew about Sephoris. All right? Watch this video. Pastor Jonathan, they made an amazing discovery in this area that explains a whole lot about those first 30 years of Jesus' life. His, the, time, the time that he worked with his dad. Because in a Jewish family, the oldest son in the family, i.e. Jesus, had to learn the trade of the dad, Joseph the carpenter. And, uh, it, but isn't it interesting, like when you think of Joseph and, and Jesus working in carpentry or building, that in Nazareth at that time, there was only two to 300 people. Yeah. Not probably enough to keep them steadily employed. And they built things with raw uh, stone and, and wood. Well, that's exactly, see, tecton is the Greek word that we translate carpenter. But it doesn't just mean carpenter. You can be a builder, a stone, a masonry worker, and the, the same Greek word applies to that kind of a builder. Well, I know a lot of scholars think, and it makes a lot of sense, about six kilometers away from Nazareth at the time of Jesus, yep. but an hour and a half walk, was the city of Sephoris. And there are thousands of people in the city at that time. They would have need a lot of yeah. A lot of builders. They, they, they have uncovered archaeological evidence that there was a huge building program going on then. And, and so you can picture, just like our people come in from, you know, Pickering or Whitby and work in Toronto, Jesus and his dad could have commuted that one and a half hour walk right. to get their work, their building work, right here in Sephora. So... Here's the end of our walk, but look at, look at, look at how close Nazareth is to Sephora. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. A seminary professor looked at all the stories in the Gospels that Jesus told and calculated that, listen to me, of the 32 stories, 17 of them have a business context, a business setting. Where did Jesus learn this business? And what is half of his stories come from that kind of a context that he would have been familiar with from his work in those 18 years of his secular job. You can see an example of that on page 116 in your Jesus Project book. And it's Luke 14, 28 to 30. Do you remember the guy who didn't even budget 
enough money to finish the building project? Remember that story? He got as far as the foundation and he ran out of money. Was that a customer of Jesus? You know, when you think about it, where did he see that experience? Was it something that he saw in his business experience? Uh, remember the story that Jesus told about building your house on, on the sand or the rock? You, you can imagine Jesus, an apprentice to his uh, carpenter father, Joseph, builder father, Joseph, you know, building, just digging for a foundation. Uh, have I gone far enough down for the foundation yet, Abba? And his father looks and he says, have you hit rock yet? No, then keep digging. You can just say, say, Jesus, these were real things. When he said, you, you need to build your life upon a solid foundation, a rock. This came from his, his work experience. He said, you, you need to build every area of your life. You build them, you build just this area, me, but the other areas on your own ways of doing things and thinking and navigating, you're building upon sand. And so you see it in Jesus that even when, even when he was um, at the temple, remember Pastor Jonathan helped us see Jesus at the temple and the parents come looking for him? What does he say? Didn't you know I must be about my father's business? You know, this, this was serious. God in his life, and, and he goes, and he brought God into his life. We, we know about his public ministry, but, 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 but this was real to Jesus. It was what he lived for, obviously. He's the son of God on a mission. And, and it wasn't just to, to go to the religious people at the temple. It was, it was for everybody. Every part of his life was about God. You know, you, you talk about you talk about his family and friends. You know, you're Jesus with his family and friends. Do you know, have I told you this before? Well, let's go back to one of the verses that we were looking at, all right? Mark tells us, remember that time where Jesus is back in his hometown of Nazareth? And people are saying, where did he get all this from? This is amazing. How did he do this? And then they say, isn't this the carpenter? And then the rest of that verse says, isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? Jesus was with them working as a carpenter until the age of 30. I have a question for you. Where's, why is Joseph not mentioned here? Or in the other gospels? Why is Joseph not mentioned? Do you know why? Scholars are unanimous that Joseph must have either died or left home by this time. Most of them say he must have died at this time, must have been dead. And so what Jesus would have done was what was expected in the culture of a Jewish family of that time. He has already been apprenticed to be the carpenter. He works as a carpenter, listen to me, to pay the bills to help a single parent mom out with his, the rest of his family. And that's why he's there until he is 30. How many know Jesus knows what it's like to sacrifice to take care of family? Don't, don't just keep him off in the, I go to church, I, I, I pray when I have a need, and, and I thank God for good things, but, but, but I, I don't really. Listen, you think of what makes relationships work at their best. What is it? It's love. It's trust. 
It's communication. It's forgiveness. It's humility. Do you know any being in the universe that does all of those things better than Jesus Christ? Oh, in this Jesus Project series, let's just let him be not only king of the spiritual compartment, but king of our family life too. Right on? Jesus, be, be the Lord of that area of my life. And then leisure. Jesus was the one. You read the Gospels. He was the one that would catch his disciples overworking. And he'd say, guys, you're not even getting enough to eat. Come apart and rest a while or, or you'll come apart completely. And he'd take them aside and he'd make sure. Remember the Sabbath? He got in trouble for the way he, because he didn't follow the nitty-picky, made-up, fabricated religious laws about the Sabbath. He celebrated Sabbath and replenished and walking in the fields and, and, and helping people spiritually on the on the Sabbath. And so Jesus knew how to do leisure. His first century followers said this, watch this, whether you eat or drink, not whether you pray and read the Bible, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of? Yeah. So he's God of my leisure. He's Lord of my leisure and, and then and work. So, so what we're basically saying here is what about, what about Rather than you just saying, Jesus, I turn to you to run the spiritual compartment of my life. What about you saying, Jesus, I, I put you on the throne, Jesus, to run every part of my life. And in 2020, I want to be more like you, Jesus, in every area of my life. How many can say a good amen to that? Isn't that a great objective for 2000? Jesus, every area of my life. All right, so... Let me give you two takeaways before we pray. Two take-homes. Actually, there are two take-to-works. I thought that was cute. Two take-to-works. All right, number one, work like Jesus is your boss. Do you ever think of Jesus as your boss? You know, sometimes we say around here, whatever your employer is, Jehovah Jireh is your provider, right? So it's just like looking beyond your boss and looking to Jesus be your boss. Now, Paul is trying to get this across to first century Christians who get this. They're in a work world where because of the Roman oppression, people are masters and slaves. Most of them went from church service like this, and they went out and they worked as a servant for a Roman master or a free person. Now, so we need to sort of take the same principle that he taught them and then say, we're in an employer-employee work context. But here's what he says. He says, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you. So, so he's basically saying, not just when they're seeing what you're doing, but he's, you'll, you'll see him sort of say in a moment, God's watching you. Not, not in the sense of like that, but God's watching to be there for you in the workplace. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. Do you think of going to work as if, as if you're serving the Lord? You're serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each friend for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. God's watching all of us, looking for opportunities to reward you. I don't know how many of you online or in this room in Toronto, right now, you've got a tough situation at work. Isn't it good to know that God's eyes are on you? 
You don't leave them at church. You don't leave them in your prayer time. You bring them to work. And you say, God, give me wisdom. Help me navigate. Help me, help me find my way as a follower of Jesus. Give me what I need to do this. Whether it's the, and then he says, and it's masters as well. You employers, treat your slaves the same way. Treat them knowing God is watching. He sees how you treat them. Take good care of them. God is our boss. Some people say, I'm self-employed. There's no such thing. God's always our boss, right? If we're a follower of Jesus, God's always our boss. Now, we understand. We live in a world where um, jobs are not always what they're promised to be, right? Have you ever graduated with a certificate or went for a job interview and it all looked like it was made to measure, tailor-made for you, and you got there and, and then you started to work and found out it was something entirely different? How many learn to translate the language of job descriptions, all right? In other words, if they say energetic self-starter, you need to translate that. That means you'll be working on commission. Entry-level position. That means we'll pay you the lowest wages that are allowable by law. <laughs> if it says fast learner, do you know what that means? That means you'll get no training from us. <laughs> Just learn fast. Flexible work hours. <laughs> we Trontonians know what that means. You can work all the overtime you want, but you won't be paid for it. That's what that means. <laughs> the opportunity of a lifetime. That means you will not find a lower salary for so much work anywhere else. Come work for us. And he says, and masters, treat your slaves the same way. He's saying, he's saying understand God is your boss. God is your boss. I pastored some amazing people and heard stories over the years. I remember, I'll never forget this one where one of our people were asked to lie at work. They were asked to lie. I won't get into the detail, but they were asked to lie. And, and she couldn't. She just, so she went to her boss. She said, you know what? I'll work hard for you. I'll, 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 I'll do anything you ask. But, but the one thing I won't do, it crosses the line for me. I won't lie for you. And he was furious. And he told her off. And later on in the day when she hoped he'd cool down, she went to his office and she said, you know, she said, sir, has it ever occurred to you that if I won't lie for you, I'll never lie to you? And I want to promise you'll always be a loyal, faithful, committed employee in this business. And she said he didn't really say anything, but she said she noticed after that day a whole new respect for her. A whole new respect for her. And he began to trust her in new ways. How many wish it always turned out that way? <laughs> it doesn't. Sometimes it turns out more the way it did for the Old Testament Joseph. Remember, he lost his job and was actually put in prison, not because he wasn't doing, he was doing a fantastic job, but when he was falsely accused, he wouldn't go to bed with Mrs. Potiphar who had the hots for him, and she falsely accused him. And so, so you can just see that's an injustice in the workplace. But what does the Bible say? He, he handled it God's way. He's in prison, and it says, the Lord was with Joseph. And watch this now. Out of that situation, he was in a position in prison. Had he not been there, he wouldn't have been called for to interpret the dream and become known for a dream interpreter and would not have had his dream job assistant to the Pharaoh of Egypt. You see, sometimes we just need to say, God, your eyes are upon me. You see what happened there. I did my best to bring justice, but then I just leave the rest with you. How many know He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. 
And, and he rewards those. He sees. His eyes are upon you. I don't know how many of you are going through a tough time in the workplace, and you think, oh, I can't go any further. You know, the, the buck stops with my boss. No, the buck stops with one who is higher than your boss. Isn't it good to know that as a follower of Jesus, that you have God as your ultimate boss? Isn't that true? All right, second. Second take to work. Work to reveal Jesus to others. No one says this better than Jesus. He said this. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. All right? So they see. You're not saying a whole lot, but they see your good works. Um, now, listen, revealing Jesus at work does not mean being preachy, uppity, or judgmentally. Is that a word? It's from the Greek. <laughs> I cringe when I hear about Christians misrepresenting Jesus at work by their, their arrogant attitude or their mistreatment of others or just, you know, condescending or putting down others because of their lifestyle. Listen, how many understand that, that, that but for the grace of God, there, there go I, Right? We're not better because we've had the privilege of coming to know a Savior, Jesus. Let your light shine. Light up the way. And let your good works give you the cred so that they look at your good works and they give, it points them to your Father who is in heaven. I was doing a relationship uh, series here. It's got to be about 15 years ago now, but I've never forgotten this story where this lady in our church she, she was a new Christian, and she came up to me one weekend. She said, do you know what you taught in conflict resolution in that series? She said, I was in a meeting at work, and all the staff were brought together. And she said there was, it was tense, and no one wanted to say what was really going on. And, and she said, I just said, my pastor spoke on conflict resolution at our church a few weeks ago. Can I share with you the three steps that he gave us? How many? There always were three, right? <laughs> You know, humble yourself and listen and, and, and do what's best for others. I think were the, were the truths that we saw in Proverbs at that time. But she said, you know what? They listened to me. I went through and she said, everyone did it. They listened. They humbled themselves. They did what was best for others. And she said, we left that meeting and there were, she said there were people talking to each other that had been refusing to talk to each other going into that meeting. You know, you know what I told her? I said, I am proud of you for this reason. You were listened to, and they went by what you said because you had earned your right to be heard. You obviously were the kind of person in the workplace that they trusted and were open to hearing from. Isn't that wonderful? You know, I, I remember my, my uh, I, I, we had just moved from St. John's, Newfoundland to Halifax, Nova Scotia. My dad worked in the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and he was traffic supervisor for Newfoundland Labrador, new position, traffic supervisor for all the highway departments of um, Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island where the, the no, no provincial police, the Mounties do the provincial policing. And so um, we had... I, I was coming home, I was 12 or 13 years of age, coming home, and I noticed another police car in the driveway. It was unusual to see police cars, but when I walked in, mom says, shh, dad's got company. Here's what was going on. I found out later, two men that had worked for dad in St. John's, they used to call him TC, it meant top cat, anyway. So they had worked for TC in St. John's, 
they were on a police seminar in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and they'd asked ahead of time if they could come and see my dad about a private matter. They'd been talking about him. They missed him, but they, they wanted to come talk. They wanted to know what made TC tick. They wanted to know why he was different. He's the fairness with his men, and they'd been attached to him, and they just wanted to know, because we're, there were young guys planning their lives in police work, and they wanted to navigate their way through it. How many understand when he told them that he was a rebellious teenager from a single-parent home, but he met Jesus Christ, and he transformed his life, and that was why that he lived for Jesus, not just by going to church, but with his family and leisure, and even in his workplace. What they had done is he had let his light shine. They were seeing his good work, and appointed them towards his Father in heaven. Now, what does Jesus look like where you work? If you're like me, you can sort of just start to cringe and say, oh man, I mess up in the workplace. I, I don't always represent Jesus well in the workplace. I don't always get it right. Well, listen, I've told you this before. I have seen this time and time again. It's how a Christian handles their mess-ups. If they mess up and they ask for forgiveness and they own their stuff, people will actually respect them even more and it will open up an even greater opportunity to point to the Father in heaven. So don't put yourself, oh, I'm, I've got to be like Jesus. I've got to be perfect. No, you are a, a, a project in the making right? Jesus, listen, we call this series the Jesus Project. We're going to spend a whole year saying, Jesus, we want to be more and more like you. Work in us what is pleasing in your sight. But we are doing that because, listen, the Jesus Project is the name on your book, but you know who the real Jesus Project is? Do you know who the real Jesus Project is this year? It's you, and it's me. How many understand we are his workmanship? Look at Ephesians. It says it this way. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In every area of our lives, we live for Jesus. And sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we don't get it right. But how many know when people see us trying to get things right, trying to be more and more like Jesus, Jesus is going to shine through. I love what the wife of Billy Graham, Ruth Graham, uh, said. She said one day to her daughter, this is what I want on my tombstone. They were driving through a construction area. She said, end of construction, thank you for your patience. And they did. You can go to, I think it's South Carolina today, buried beside her husband, Billy Graham. End of construction. Thank you for your patience. See, we're all Jesus projects. Let me just tell you a personal story. I, I, a few years ago, I did a study trip on my own. I was with groups in Israel all the time. So many places I wanted to go back to, just do a deep dive and study further. And so I, I did the Jesus Trail. They provide a place for you to sleep, sort of a, at someone, a room in someone's house every night. And, and, and you get to walk all the way from where Jesus walked in, in Nazareth all the way down to the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. I remember going to Sephoris. Because most of it's about second and third century, and even Christians there. I kept asking and finding spots, because I wanted to find what is something in Sephoris that was built in the first century that maybe Jesus and his carpenter or builder dad could have built. 
And I remember finding a place, and it was, they said, yeah, if any place, that's first century, right down there. And I got right down, I was looking at these rocks. I'm thinking, Jesus, you could have shaped that rock and put in that, could have been you. Jesus, this is a dream for me to look directly at your workmanship. If you'd made this, I'm looking directly at your workmanship. Can you imagine looking directly at the workmanship of Jesus Christ? I'm doing it right now. And every time you go to work, people are looking at his workmanship. How many say, oh Jesus, more and more in my work, I want you to be revealed. I want people to know that I live for you. I want it to come through in my work. I want to reveal Jesus because I am your workmanship. How many can say a good amen? Let's pray about this together. And I invite students with your schoolwork, full-time, part-time, looking for work, those of you who maybe are retired and do volunteer work, just, just, just think of all the, the work of your mind and your hands and your, your contributions. First of all, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to work. We also pray for those, whether they're online or in this room, those in our church family that are looking for meaningful employment. We pray you would be their Jehovah Jireh. Provide, Lord. And Lord, we pray for those that are going through a tough season right now in the workplace. Whether they're going to be like Joseph and just know that you are with them and you're, you're preparing them for something, something even greater in the future. Lord, be with them. Give them wisdom. Help them in the workplace. But Lord, thank you that we are all your projects. <laughs> you're at work in us. When we go to work, may we reveal you. May we just leave here this weekend of the Jesus Project saying, I, I, I have a mission to reveal Jesus more and more in my workplace. Lord, may that happen because we say what we're going to sing. I will build my life upon your love, Jesus, the solid rock Christ Jesus. Every area of my life, including my work life, I'm going to build it upon you, Jesus, that you might be revealed in every area of my life. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.